Good morning. Please stand for the reading of today's gospel lesson from the book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 17, from the New International Version. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you on an example that you should do as I've done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that, you have these, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Thank you, Michael, for our scripture reading. Thank you, Nashville Flute Choir. Can we give them another round of applause and thank them for sharing a gift with us? Our chancel choir is on their annual retreat where they've been practicing all weekend and having fun together, and we're grateful for them. They'll be back next week. And if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Jonathan Anderson. I serve as one of the pastors here over the area of adult discipleship. 
And it's my honor to share this morning while Pastor Davis Chapel is away doing some study leave in preparation for the upcoming year. And as Ani mentioned earlier, we are entering into the season of Lent. And traditionally, this season has been celebrated by Christians all over the world, and it's a season of 40 days of spiritual preparation for Easter Sunday, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And during this season, we do a number of different things to kind of prepare ourselves spiritually, but one of the things we're going to be doing on Sunday mornings is beginning a sermon series this morning that we're going to be in all the way up until Easter entitled Last Call. And during this sermon series, we're going to be looking at John's gospel at some of the last actions, last words, and the last prayers that Jesus shared with his disciples before he went to the cross. And as we begin this series, I want you to keep in mind one thing that John's gospel tells us, and that is that Jesus knew that his hour had come. And so in these last moments... Things weren't unplanned or random. Instead, these things that Jesus does with his disciples are purposeful and intentional. And the scene we heard from John chapter 13 kind of sets the stage for all of these last moments together. And as I was studying the scripture this week, I was reminded of of some last moments on a mission trip years ago that I took when I was in high school. A group of about 25 students from my home church went to Costa Rica where we served in various capacities and did manual labor for about a week. And by the end of the week, you can imagine this group of teenagers was tired, sweaty, dirty, and ready for some rest. But thankfully, on the last day of the trip, we had a beach day where we got to go to the beach finally and relax a little bit. And so if you can picture the beach with all of us students there, I had a strawberry daiquiri in one hand, virgin, of course, and other students had, you know, their virgin pina coladas. They're soaking in the sun, ready to kind of go home and reintegrate. And after that long day of relaxation, our leader said, well, we have one final, one final stop on the trip. And if you've been on a mission trip, you know you just go with the flow. So we load up the buses We take a short trip and we arrive at the home of a full-time missionary couple who lived in the country. They had a beautiful home and the sun was setting. They were speaking encouraging words over us. Then they opened up the Bible and they began reading from John chapter 13. And after they were done reading, they began to get some towels and a basin of water. And all of a sudden, I began to get very uncomfortable Because I could sense that they weren't just going to talk about the washing of feet. They were actually going to wash some feet. And my anxiety and discomfort came from the fact that in that moment, I couldn't think of anyone other than a doctor who had touched my feet. And many doctors had looked at my feet because I have ugly acting feet and ugly looking feet. And the doctors had kind of said they're hopeless. And so as this couple is going from person to person, I'm getting more and more nervous and they finally get to me. And I thought they were going to look at my feet and say, pass, and go to the next person, but they didn't do that. Instead, they said something I couldn't even comprehend in the moment. They washed my feet, prayed over me, and moved to the next person. And as they moved along, I sat there stunned, thinking, this was not like the warm, 
fuzzy photos of Jesus washing the disciples' feet that I recall from childhood. This was very uncomfortable. And at the time, I wasn't thankful for them washing my feet. But looking back now, I'm more grateful. Because I think that moment of discomfort I had as I received a foot washing from someone else helps me relate a little bit to what some of the disciples might have been feeling in these last moments with Jesus. Because you see, a foot washing in and of itself wouldn't have been uncomfortable or odd for them. It was a very common practice in their culture. The roads were dusty and muddy. Lots of animals were walking along them. Most of them were wearing sandals. And so the act of foot washing would have been normal for a servant or a slave to do to someone. Or maybe when, when someone in the household came home, a little child would wash their parents' feet. This was usually done before a meal or when someone arrived into the house. And so it wasn't the act of foot washing that was odd or maybe made the disciples a little bit uncomfortable. It was when the foot washing took place, who was doing the foot washing and why it was even happening. See, I don't know if you call it in verse two, but John tells us this, that the foot washing takes place when the evening meal is in progress. Traditionally, it would have happened before the meal. And so during the middle of the meal, as they're eating food, perhaps laughing together, when Jesus gets up, takes off his outer clothing, picks up his towel and gets down on the ground to wash the disciples' feet, they would have been uncomfortable thinking, this isn't the order of events. This isn't how things are done. What, what is going on here? But I think Jesus chooses this moment in the middle of the meal to wash their feet to let them know that more is going on here than meets the eye. Something significant is taking place. So he begins to go around and wash the disciples' feet, and he gets to Simon Peter, who is extremely uncomfortable. And I love this depiction of the scene because you can kind of see Simon Peter's consternation on his face. And Simon Peter, who, who's always good at saying what's on his mind, says to Jesus, are you going to wash my feet, implying it should be the other way around? Because he knew this was his Lord. This was his master. As he had proclaimed elsewhere, this was the Messiah, the son of the living God, stooping low to wash his dirty feet. And in their culture, someone with greater authority and power Lowering themselves and washing the feet of someone of a lower status would have been unheard of. It would have been absurd. And so Simon Peter, he, he doesn't like this. And you know, it's never a good idea to tell Jesus what he should do, but Simon Peter does. And he says, Lord, you are never going to wash my feet. And he and Jesus have this kind of interchange where Jesus sets the record straight and lets him know that if he doesn't submit to this cleansing, then Really, he has no place with him. And you can tell Simon Peter probably doesn't quite understand what's going on, but Jesus says, one day you will understand. But he receives his foot washing, and Jesus continues around. And then there's another uncomfortable person at the table. There's Judas. He's depicted in the in the edge here with a little money bag in his hand. And at this point, John tells us that Judas 
has already decided to betray Jesus. And Jesus already knows this. And so if you think some of your Thanksgiving meals have tension at them, it's nothing like the tension at this table. And I wonder if Judas's hands were trembling as he's getting food, knowing what's about to take place. Or when Jesus undoes the thong of his sandal, if, if his foot was tapping and trembling as Jesus pours water over it and dries it with the towel. One theologian, Dr. Craig Keener, writes this, people in ancient Mediterranean society considered betrayal by a friend far more heinous than any insult by an enemy. The deeper the level of intimacy, the more that trust was a duty and the more terrible the betrayal. And yet, Jesus stoops low and washes even Judas's feet. Then he gets up from the table, he puts on his clothes again, he takes his seat, and he gives the disciples a calling. He gives them a calling to wash other people's feet as well. He says, I want you to follow in the example that I have set for you. And at this moment, the disciples are probably thinking, that's, that's not a big deal, that's not a big ask. I don't know why this is so serious because they had washed other people's feet before. And so they're thinking, okay, we can wash other people's feet as well. But it wasn't until later, as Jesus had told them, that they would truly understand the significance of the calling that Christ had given to them. You see, it's later after his crucifixion, after his death, after his resurrection, that the disciples would have seen that the one who came down from the table and got down on the ground was the same one who came down from heaven, became flesh and walked among them. They would have understood that the one who stripped himself of his clothes and cleansed their feet was the one who was stripped of his clothes on the cross and who cleansed the world of its sin. They would, they would begin to see that the one who took his seat back at the table was the same one who got up from the grave, who rose again, who ascended into heaven and took his rightful place at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. They would begin to see that Jesus in these moments wasn't calling them to do acts of kindness here and there. Jesus was calling them to something greater. Jesus was calling them to lay down their very lives for the sake of others. He was calling them to humbly serve one another just as he had served them. And really what he was calling them to do as disciples was to embrace a life of discomfort. And that calling to his disciples is a calling that comes to each of us today. He calls us as his disciples even now to embrace discomfort too. So how many of you in here like being uncomfortable or like discomfort? Anybody? Usually there's about one person in each service. I recently heard that Americans spend 93% of their time in climate-controlled environments. We like comfort. When we purchase cars, we like 
bigger cars. We like comfortable cars, cars with heated seats. And do you know they now have cool, cooling seats too? When we buy houses, we want a bigger house so that we can be more comfortable. And when we host people, they can be comfortable as well. In our daily lives, most of us avoid discomfort in any and every way we can. We avoid it in relationships with other people. And we avoid it inside of ourselves. We don't like to contemplate, to reflect, to think about our internal lives. And so we just scroll on our phones to avoid any discomfort that might arise. But one thing I've found in my time as a pastor is that when you begin to talk to people about their faith and how God has grown them in their faith and how God has used them for good, one common theme that comes up again and again is people will tell me, it was when I got uncomfortable that I began to grow. It's when I went on the mission trip that I wasn't quite sure about. It's when I joined the choir, even though I wasn't sure if my singing abilities were great. It was when I embraced discomfort that God did a good thing in me and through me. Which is why I'm going to invite you to embrace some discomfort this morning. It's not in the bulletin, but in just a moment, Pastor Ani's going to get some towels and a bowl of water, and we're going to do a foot washing here and invite all of you to come forward. No, just kidding. Just kidding. I could sense the discomfort in the room. But you know, somebody at 8.30 said, when you were saying that, all I could think about was, how am I going to, how, what am I going to do with these tights that I'm wearing? And I thought, you know, that is embracing discomfort, being willing so we're not going to invite you to embrace discomfort in that way through a literal foot washing. But during the season of Lent, what the church does is we invite you into a season of discomfort. And it began on Ash Wednesday when we gathered together and we collectively confessed our sin and acknowledged our mortality. It can be uncomfortable to realize that we are sinners we have sinned against God, we have sinned against other people, and we have contributed to the brokenness in our world. Sometimes it can be jarring to think, you know what, we can't save ourselves. We need a savior beyond ourselves. It's uncomfortable to allow Jesus to draw near to us, to see our sin and our shame and the dirt in our lives and let his grace cleanse us once again. In a culture that prides itself on self-sufficiency and comfort, these are uncomfortable things to do, but this is what we do during the season of Lent. We bring ourselves fully and honestly before Christ, and we let His grace cleanse us once again. And after we've received that cleansing grace from Christ, He sends us out to go and to share it with other people through service. And now sometimes serving other people feels good and it, it gives us warm fuzzies in our hearts and people celebrate us and we pat ourselves on our back. But a lot of times serving other people isn't comfortable. I don't know how many of you saw the Super Bowl last weekend or saw some of the commercials, but there was actually a commercial that depicted foot washing that was based upon this scripture text. It was an ad put out by the He Gets Us campaign, and it was seen by millions of people all over the world. 
And the ad was interesting in that it took this ancient story and it, it, it took it from this table with Jesus to different settings in modern society. And so here is one clip from the commercial where we see a foot washing taking place in a high school. But what I found interesting is that although the setting was translated into modern day terms, the act of foot washing wasn't translated. This ancient ritual was depicted here. And so in a meeting, we were, we were talking about, you know, what is the modern day equivalent of foot washing? Is it bussing someone's table? Is it washing someone else's hand? There's not a good one-to-one equivalent. And as we were talking about this and thinking about this, I began to think, you know, I think it's a good thing that there's not an exact equivalent today to foot washing because Jesus isn't calling us to do just one thing. Jesus is calling us to do many different things. Foot washing today can look like the discomfort of not knowing what to say when you pick up the phone and you call a friend whose loved one has passed away, knowing that Christ wants you to draw near to them in their time of need. It can look like the inconvenience of taking down the trash can and and, and taking it back up again for your neighbor who's unable to do it during that season. It's listening to that coworker who's a long talker who really annoys you and really being present with them and then praying for their needs and things going on in their lives. It's going on the mission trip, signing up to serve in the nursery even though you don't have kids or you've had kids many years ago. Ultimately, what washing other people's feet looks like today and following the example of Christ looks like is simply putting the needs of others above our own, which is exactly what Christ has done for us. I know one pastor in his church, when they have new members come forward and join the church, they don't give them a certificate or a candle or anything like that. Instead, they give them a towel. They give them a towel and they say, look, this is a tangible reminder that as a member of the body of Christ, you are not to seek all the ways that we can serve you. Instead, you are to seek all the ways that you can serve others inside the church and beyond the walls of the church. The towel they give them is a reminder that Christ wants them to draw near to the dirt into the mess in other people's lives and to humbly serve them in love just as Christ has done for them. And while this isn't a tradition at our church, I want to invite you this Lent. During this season leading up to Easter, I want to invite you to consider not only giving up something as I know many of you do, but I want to invite you to consider picking up something picking up your towel and receiving this calling from Christ to serve other people. And if you're willing to take up that calling, I want to remind you of two things. Number one, it may be uncomfortable at times, so don't be surprised. But number two, I want to remind you of the words of Jesus in verse 17 here as he speaks to the disciples. He basically says to them, look, if you're willing to do these things, if you're willing to put this teaching into practice, 
he says, you will be blessed. My hope for each of us this Lenten season is that we will be blessed as we serve as a blessing to those around us. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.